fears of tripping on top. Be there! Scour the spaceways! Explore vast alien worlds! Tin right here contains the whole rigmarole. I used to smoke about an ounce of hash every day. Good. And it made me go a little bonkers. Maybe. If I occupy his mind with more duties, I can control his space. Hi. Big fat Hi. doobies. Hi. 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 What's up, everybody? Today's Friday, September 4th, 2015. episode 164 of the Hot Box. I'm Matt. Got a great show for you this evening. should always be joining us if you want to watch live and say hey in the chat room and see the video and all that. Hotboxpodcast.com slash live. Uh, joining me this evening, got a couple great guests for you. Uh, the first, he came with me to the Northwest Cannabis Classic. He is my co-worker. Turned into one of my good friends here in uh, Boomtown. Uh, so let's, you heard him actually on the last episode at the beginning, kind of talking about how getting rained out at Hempfest was no bueno, and then uh, getting drilled by me on some silly chemistry stuff. So uh, Professor Progressor in the house. What's up, man? Hello. Thank good. you for having me. I am glad to have had you and to have you again. <laughs> And then, uh, yeah, we'll be giving Gooey Rubinsky a call here in a moment. I do want to mention uh, the Craft Vapory review is up on a new domain.net. So if you guys are, I know stoners also like to smoke cigarettes. So if you're either trying to quit or you just want something that you can smoke everywhere, this is pretty cool. It's kind of like trees.delivery. Uh, we had them on the show quite a bit ago, except it's for nicotine or even nicotine-free uh, e-cig juice. I don't even have mine here, but uh, you got yours with you? Let me see that thing. I have my Ego One. So you can get something like this, and you'll see mine on the, on the review over on indiedomain.net. But uh, yeah, if you have your own hardware, cool. If not, they'll send you one, and basically you pay each month, and you fill out a thing on their site, craftvapory.com, of the flavors you like and dislike, and their magical elf-ridden algorithm will create you a flavor profile, and each month, depending on how much you pay and how many things you specify you'd like, how many bottles... Uh, they send you new ones every month, so it's pretty badass. Uh, I was digging it. We all dig them here when you can't smoke indoors and all that. So tasty uh, flavors, right? Not too oh, yeah. bad. And for Solid. a couple of flavor connoisseurs, as you and I are sometimes, mm-hmm. like that's that's pretty good stuff. Indeed. So check it out. Uh, my review, like I said, it's anydomain.net. You can find it on there, and craftvapory.com is where that's at. Uh, mentioned we did go to the Northwest Cannabis Classic. Uh, what'd you think of that? Not too, not too shabby. Oh, uh, I think it was pretty cool. Um, definitely got to meet a lot of people from all different areas of the industry, and uh, uh, it's nice to see some things happening in Seattle, uh, places that aren't Seattle. Yeah, uh, that one was Tacoma. in Tacoma. Uh, they did one first in Alaska, and then uh, they're going to Portland, or I think somewhere near there. But uh, yeah, really, really good event. We met a lot of cool people. We got uh, in the back VIP room, got to to trade uh, war cannabis war stories, I guess, with uh, with some other uh, players in the game. So it, it was good to see, good to get out and meet people. Uh, I did notice people were digging the herb box. Because how elegant it looked. Uh, there are these tables in the back, and they had some rigs set up and some e-nails, and there was just like dabs on the table, and then there's this elegant box that has dabs in it. It was it was kind of cool. It's very attractive. So her box, uh, check that stuff out, of course. Uh, all right, let's let's get Gooey on the podcast, and we'll talk about some weed stuff. Gooey Rubinsky, you're once again live on the Hotbox. How's it going, man? It's going well. How are you? Hey, good. You're here with me and uh, Professor Progressor, my co-worker uh, here. Hey, Gooey. How are you, man? I'm doing well. How about yourself? Good. So why? Uh, so what's your science? Oh, we uh, like to dabble in all sorts, I'd say. But uh... Dabble? I like that. <laughs> what is your personal science, though, your, your background, Professor? Uh, so I've done uh, some cannabis-related research. I, re- I did more of a receptor-based research uh, in graduate school at Purdue. And uh, I like to uh, uh, try to synthesize compounds that would target the, uh, the cannabinoid receptors um, using synthetic cannabinoids because they're really great at, um, at binding to those receptors. That's why they cause such a, such a crazy 
stimulus when people smoke them uh, from synthetic mixtures and stuff. So they're really good for uh, for targeting and stuff like that. But you weren't you weren't doing like the you weren't like looking at how the synthetic mixtures like spice and K two stuff like that were affecting people. You were strictly using the synthetic cannabinoids to see how they bind two receptors in the brain, right? Exactly. Okay. Yeah, we could, we, could we should mention that just because on, on the show we have talked quite a bit about the synthetics and how mm-hmm. it's like it's sad that people, because of prohibition and drug tests and everything, and actually at the, the conference afterwards, we're at the bar talking to some lovely lady there, and she she uh, ended up telling us that she she does actually smoke, but she has to use monkey pee. <laughs> because she gets drug tested. So some people will go to the extent of just not smoking at all, right? And they just, that's fine. Uh, some people will go the route of the, you know, spice and K2 and then go crazy more times than not. And then others still will strap monkey piss uh, to their leg whenever they have to, to go pass a drug test. So it, it is interesting to see. Monkey. I never, I, 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 that's the first time I've heard that in my life, the monkey piss thing. You know, I was there with these two brilliant uh, minds, and from that point on, the rest of the evening, it was like a chemistry discussion on how could we get that stuff out of your system faster than a month? Like, is there something that could be done to get, it was a very interesting, I wish I would have recorded it. It was one of those just like, they were drinking and we were just going at it. It was good stuff. So we should mention, I did find after uh, our podcast last week, our last episode, that uh, you have a book out, Gooey. You didn't even mention this book. Uh, it's called Something About Medical Marijuana, and I'll, I'll put a link to it uh, on the Amazon store on the show notes here. But uh, it was interesting. I haven't finished it yet, but reading the beginning of it is just like listening to the old episodes of the hot box it's really cool how you started like our first episodes we started at why is weed illegal what started it harry anslinger and dupont like we went through all of this stuff and i'm at that part in your book i don't want to spoil anything but i think people know by now um where you explain all that and it's it's really well written and and uh it's it's done done right i think what did you initially write that book for like was it just to get it out there or um, I started it back in '09, and then kind of it was like 90% done and I put the project on the side uh, because I took a technical writing consulting job out of state and it, it was like a multi-year focus. It was a big project. So I didn't even touch it. Uh, and then in 2012, kind of did a little tweaking and it forced me to get current on all the laws and everything, you know, in the individual states. Uh, and then I, I finally, I finally got it out in 2013. So it was nice that it let it, you know, it was able to morph and I, I was able, it's amazing the improvements you can make to something if you walk away from it for, from a while, for a while. When you have it as an ebook, did you also have a, an actual physical dead trees copy or is it strictly an ebook? Not yet. I, I published it as recently as December. So I haven't even knocked on the door of any print publishers, but really, if you want to sell any copies, you got to have a print publisher. So that is something that I do uh, plan to do. Uh, you know, it's on my to-do list here. Well, I was just thinking for something like this, because it changes every couple of years or every four years, depending on, like, it, it seems almost better to have it as a living, you know, uh, organism online that you can update and get those updates pushed out to people. So as new states, I don't know if you have those plans, but you know, if you wanted to, you could kind of keep it updated as new states legalize it or, or make progress. Well, one reason it might not work so well as a print book uh, in traditional publishing is because it's fairly short. And I did that on purpose. Uh, it's under 70 pages. I think it's like 67, 68. It all depends on the type size you use, obviously, on your Kindle or, you know, your iPad. Uh, so, that, so that's an arbitrary number. But it's short because I wanted something I could give to like a middle of the road, middle class, somebody like my parents. Right. Or I could hand it to them and say, look, you've got a, you have a, a November 3 ballot issue coming up, and it's kind of important, you know, and there's a lot that's in the balance, although there typically is when you go vote. So, uh, you know, spend three and a half, four hours on Saturday afternoon, read this book, because uh, I think if it was two, three, four hundred pages, nobody would digest that. Nobody's got the time, you know? No, it's it is it's well put out there and structured, and it is a very easily digestible read. It kind of reminds me of the last book I read like that. 
was uh, Irvin Rosenfeld's My Medicine, the guy from Florida that yeah, was yeah. A, a medical proponent. But yeah, his book was short like that, really good to the point. Here's what's going on and here's why. Yeah. Uh, people need that stuff, especially on Kindles, man. I mean, you just have a minute and you can grab it real quick and you have it on your little computer thing. It's good stuff. Yeah, I definitely prefer the efficiency <laughs> of ebook publishing uh, with updates and everything because really we're at a stage now where uh, you'd have to have new editions every single year, uh, which is a real pain in the ass for a print publisher with inventory and just the whole bit. They. Uh, they really don't want to deal with those issues. Uh, I like to what uh, people are authors like Scott Sigler do, and they they'll release a chapter of their book at a time as it's happening uh, as a podcast. So if you want, you can listen for free to the whole book. You just have to you know wait for the episodes, or you can go buy the book and then you know read it yourself. But you could almost do something like that where where you know your each episode is a new chapter that's getting updated with information or or what have you. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've only really gone as far as uh, publishing one or two of the chapters from the book on my blog. So uh, there's, you know, there's plenty more opportunities. And I, I think it is fun that it's a it is a living document. So, you know, the 2016 edition, which will probably come out in October, maybe maybe November, uh, it, it will include any updates to the laws. It will be uh, totally current. But then you know these these elections in november everything will change again so that's what right. makes it very dynamic you can't you can't get bored with this stuff so to start things off something kind of near and dear to uh my and the professor's heart and i thought this was an interesting coming from keith stroop from normal like the normal legal counselor you know um talking about extractions and it, the the headline that that it goes under on the the normal blog it says extraction reaction let's be smart about dabbing uh, and he talks about he says uh, the scientific review of burn injuries in Colorado confirms what many of us have been saying for some time that the popularity of dabbing uh, brings with it some real dangers and some potential political dangers. So he kind of goes about he explains like his preference for flour and and all that and saying how you know the the the, the good flour or the hash that they would have back in the day was kind of saved like a champagne or a fine wine you know. <laughs> For for occasion, but nowadays you have these kids dabbing on the daily, you know, and and maybe I don't I don't know what he's so concerned about except we get I mean I understand the edible part where you know we need proper labels and all of that of course that should go without saying even though labels are still being you know improperly done, um, but then the part about concentrates this is what I thought was really interesting what I wanted to talk to you guys about he says with concentrates. The most serious issue is the risk of explosion by those who attempt to extract the THC using butane. Novice consumers need to be made aware of the increased strength of marijuana in this form, and concentrates like edibles must be kept away from children, of course. Uh, hash oil is a potent marijuana concentrate that can be as strong as 90% THC and is easily manufactured. The process, in parens, is readily available on the internet using butane as a solvent, but the process is also highly volatile and can result in dangerous explosions that all too often cause serious and sometimes deadly burn injuries. Uh, the similarities with the rash of meth explosions a few years ago is difficult to avoid. Uh, so then uh, he, he kind of cites a study that came out in the Journal of Medical Toxicology talking about incidents of burn injuries from BHO uh, extractions in Colorado, looking at January 1st of 08 through August 31st of 2014, and then comparing the two years prior to the legalization of medical use in the state. Uh, then he says, according to the study, there were no such incidents during the two years before medical and then 19 cases during the medical use only phase lasting from October 09 through December, 2013, and then 12 cases during the first eight months of 2014. So he says the number, uh, the total number of these explosions is small. Now, uh, he talks about, you know, the, the stats as far as the percentages of what race is usually involved, uh, 72% being white, uh, male 90%, 
young median age of 26. Uh, the medium length of the hospital stay, only 10 days. Just got some <laughs> burns patched up, whatnot. So the study's authors concluded hydrocarbon burns associated with hash oil production have increased since the liberalization of marijuana policy in Colorado. A combination of public health messaging, standardization of manufacturing processes, and worker safety regulations are needed to decrease the risks associated with BHO production. Uh, so then he goes on and kind of... He says that you can avoid all of this by using a CO2 extraction method instead of butane to produce your concentrates. And he says, further, as a culture, we need to get the word out that it's time to bring an end to the use of butane extraction altogether. It's dangerous to produce concentrates with butane, at least by amateurs, and it may well present a health risk to the consumer. Now, CO2 extraction, he says, is safe and non-volatile, avoiding any danger of an explosion. And consumers are further protected because bacteria, mildews, and molds are destroyed, and there's no butane residue in the concentrates made this way. He says it's a win-win solution, but we need to better inform those who produce and use concentrates. If consumers begin to demand CO2 and reject products made with butane, the industry will quickly fall into line. Now, Professor, as a, a uh, person here that may know something about this, what does that sound right? Because I feel like CO2 isn't combustible, but the pressures you're working at are far greater than what is used in a BHO extraction. Yes, absolutely. There's a, there's a big difference in the pressure required. So, I mean... It depends on the safety of your equipment, if everything's well-maintained, and if it's operated by people who understand how it works and know what to do if something were to go wrong, and understand, uh, really, the hopefully, the physics behind it. And I think that's important, like, uh, especially with CO2, because you're dealing with such high pressures. But, uh, but uh, even, I mean, he's almost making it sound like this butane extraction is like some crazy dark art that you have to like look on the internet to figure out but co2 is safe and non-volatile and anyone can do it i mean he doesn't say that but it has that air to it that and from what i understand it it's co2 extraction supercriticals are very there there's there's a big learning curve there more so than with a butane or propane or whatever other you know fuel you're using Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would say leave either one of those things up to the professionals, professionals. right? So yeah. in either case, then you could make the statement that if they're left to professionals, they're both just as safe, assuming your lab equipment is up to par and standards and all that, right? Absolutely. These explosions aren't happening in labs. And There was one that happened in that one lab, but it's because the security guard was making meth or trying to. Well, yeah. Did you guys hear about that? that was a while a little bit ago, but it was in like a I want to say CDC, but I don't think it was that. It was some like some government lab, government yeah, lab that it totally their lab blew up because this asshole was in there doing a little shake and bake. But either way, you know, you want to leave those those up to the people who are trained to do those that are qualified and everything, uh, and uh, just so if as, you want to get it, get it the local dispensary as normal's legal counsel is that a weird thing to come out and say as to be on one side as opposed to another i would expect you would be for extractions done in a professional lab setting with people that know what they're doing or just against it altogether like i know some people that say it's like oh you desecrate the flower and just smoke the weed don't don't do that to it but you know that that's fine they're not writing these these articles that a lot of people will read and be like oh co2 is safer to me this looks like damage control you know for an organization that supports this whole movement sure uh and they see these things happening uh on the news they keep getting brought up they could they see it as a uh oh maybe we'll lose this battle you know because this of something is the trivial. basis of what some laws or changes to laws like we've seen uh are made on they Whoa. see stuff like this and they're like well we'll just outlaw butane then mm -hmm. and it's like well there's no real good reason i mean granted people that are open blasting using glass and like their kitchens indoors like dummies you know that's it's not going to stop them they're still going to 
what's going to stop is actual professional labs being able to use, you know, solvents that are just fine to use as long as you know what you're doing with them. Yeah, there's uh, all these all this equipment can be certified to be used by the state and uh and uh make sure it's really safe uh and properly uh everything's properly hooked up. So I think that's important just sticking to those guidelines and making sure everything is within the specs. You'll be safe, but again, you know, leave it to the people who who do it uh, professionally, for sure. What do you think, Gooey? Well, I remember reading a story, and you guys might know this, being in Washington. Uh, I think it was in Redmond, and there were a couple ex-Microsoft employees who were cooking up some BHO in their apartment. Um, and it just so happened that in the same building, the ex-mayor of, I believe it was Redmond, but I might be wrong on this. I'm sorry, I'm not more prepared. Uh, and she was on like the fourth or the sixth floor of this building. And when their their stuff blew up, uh, she had to jump out. And I'm trying to remember if she died in, in the jump. Uh, she was like 86 years old. She was mayor like 30 years ago or something. Uh, but it kind of made the news, not only because of the explosion and the connection to cannabis, which, you know, always is clickbait. Uh, anytime I can throw the term marijuana or something in there, uh, but also because of the ex-mayor having, uh, I, I just wish I could remember if she broke her hip or if she, or if she actually was killed, but they were getting ready to throw the book at these ex Microsoft dudes who were cooking it up. Yeah. They ended up, I got the story here. Uh, they ended up getting see uh, nine years in prison. Good. They should. Now did she die? Um, they do compare it to meth labs quite a bit. Of course. Other people are getting hurt. Shut these uh, She, Yeah, she later died following complications from her hospitalization. Two other apartment residents suffered shattered bones as they had to jump from their upper-level apartments. In all, the fire caused more than $2 million in property damage. Wow. This is some yahoos. So, I mean, most yeah. people can't even parallel park. I'm not sure... I want them cooking up BHO in the apartment next well, door. Well, and mine. like coming from Montana, I have had friends that make it and it's very like, yeah, outdoorsy, kind of in the woods. And the material, it's decent, but you don't know what good is until you've seen material like professionally processed and refined by an actual lab. Like the so, difference is amazing. And yeah, it's the process itself like there's no releasing any of these hydrocarbons into the atmosphere in a lab as opposed to being outside where you're just you're blasting into a glass bottle basically i mean it's better than that but you know that's what it comes down to and then it's just going psh, out into the atmosphere which you know okay whatever but people aren't safe about that and they don't think oh maybe i should be doing this outside and then you have things like this that happen it's a shame, for sure. And especially after such an uphill battle, to see it again compared to things like meth labs blowing up and everything. like that That's a huge mark for the, the industry. So, what do you... Uh, you got any new things that you've written over on Waxy we should talk about before we move on? Uh, you know, I contribute several a week, and... Uh... What was your favorite this week? I know that's a terrible thing oh. to ask a writer. Which one was your favorite? Because I think mine all sucked, but that's me. How did you have a favorite? Um, I'm actually behind schedule. I haven't I haven't submitted five this week, but I kind of <laughs> like the one from today that was about the uh, the physiology of the plant, the morphology, um, anatomy 101. You know, and it just was talking about, okay, here's the pistols and, you know, really it's, it's a very simple anatomy. A lot of people don't know that though. And I actually, I did a little research as I was writing these weed reviews for stuff stoners like to have just different descriptors when I'm talking about. It. And that's where I stumbled upon the part where like the hairs are called the pistols and it's most people agree and it's not i don't know how much it's been tested we should actually test it but uh that there's no thc content in there they're just for show and they're to catch the pollen and all that and the calyx and that you want a calyx to leaf ratio that is nice and like yeah there, there's a lot of botany there that you know people just kind of skip over 
Absolutely. And yeah, I didn't want to teach anybody how to be a botanist or a chemist, yeah. but <laughs> sure. Uh, sure. I, I thought, you know, if you're, if you're going to be into this, if it's going to be part of your lifestyle and that you consume cannabis in whatever form, you vape it, you smoke it, you eat it as an edible infused products, you know, whatever. Uh, but but I, I think it's kind of important to know where it comes from. I'll never forget when I lived in Virginia outside of D.C. years ago. And I met this cool dude who had some land out in the country, out in the rolling hills of Virginia, and he grew his own hot peppers and he made his own hot sauce and he actually sold it through some of the local health food stores and stuff. It was completely organic. And he also would volunteer his time by going down into D.C. and teaching inner city kids uh, about where their food comes from. And he said the number of kids who you know, 10, 12 years old who didn't know that milk came from a cow – or the tape came from the ground, just really basic, very basic stuff. And, you know, you didn't want to laugh at these kids. They were obviously, you know, disadvantaged. But he went in and he, to the city and, and, and tried to, you know, get rid of some of that ignorance. And I think it's the same thing with cannabis. You know, there's a lot of myths, uh, a lot of urban legends. Uh, it's fun to knock those down and, and find out what, what, what the truth of the situation is. That would be a, a good segment to kind of go and start collecting a list of, of all of these misnomers and, and urban myths and everything. Kind of like the more deadly than weed I was writing. Right? We'd find things that have killed more people than weed and then write about it. But yeah. I think that would be way more informative. Um, this is something interesting on the cannabis, talking about the pesticides that are being used in Denver and how they've cracked down on a bunch of them. And this is something like I saw just all over my Facebook feed of, a couple days ago. And people were like, oh, my God, the, these people, these, these farms and these stores are selling things and growing things with these dangerous pesticides in them. And nobody, like, got past the headline, of course, as all good headlines should not let you. Uh, but if you look at what what was in there it's all stuff that is used in any like organic section at trader joe's or what's the one everyone goes to whole foods i think yeah. stuff like that like yep. it's the same stuff it's the the thing is because cannabis is a schedule one i think the epa i believe they're they don't have say to be like, here, these ones are also approved for cannabis. They just, they don't have the right for whatever reason. So when they say that, oh, these are not listed, that it's like, well, yeah, they're, they're not listed for cannabis. They're listed for other things, but yeah, I don't know. Do you, and of course we don't want pesticides in our, in our weed. We don't want bugs. We don't want, but when you get to these levels, I feel like it's, I don't know. It's it's hard. And, of course, you can do things like process it and and refine it, and hopefully that gets out a lot of those pesticides as it gets out all of the solvents. But, uh, I, yeah, I don't know. Is there any way to, like, make everyone happy? <laughs> like, you have your organic and your non-organic, I guess? Well, the... Uh... I mean, I think you should have organic and, and non-organic, sure. But I, I think a lot of the states that are implementing medical programs are going actually to the Department of Agriculture. And in many states, it's the Department of Agriculture that is has written the regulations or the rules that that govern their implementation of said medical program. And for the most part, they're, you know, they are acknowledging that, hey, this is Schedule 1. The feds say it's illegal. We're not even supposed to be doing this. So uh, we're not getting any guidance there. But what they're doing is they're adopting their own State Department of Agriculture regulations in terms of what you would do for corn or any crop. They're, they're, they're not, uh, you know, they're saying, look, this is not specific to cannabis, but this is what we do for everything else that you put in your body. And they pulled quite a few, like, lozenges and uh, stuff like that off of some shelves there. Uh, they're saying that state law says it is unlawful for someone to use pesticides in a manner inconsistent with labeling directions or requirements. That's uh, Mitch Yeager, the director of the Colorado Department of Agriculture's Plant Industry Division. Which makes sense, I guess, if you wanted to just be like, well, you know, you can't. It doesn't say you can use it for marijuana or cannabis, so you know it's unlawful at that point. Which, it, if you go by the label, it is right. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's 
So change the label, or does this open up another kind of niche industry of people making, like, really good... I mean, it's all the same stuff at this point, right? Azimax, Nukem, it's all some neem oil and whatever else. I, I, I don't... There's no real breakthroughs. I mean, are you working on anything that'll kill all these bugs, Professor? Uh, no, but I'm just trying to look at this from kind of a, a pharmaceutical perspective, because if they want to treat... Uh, treat it like it's uh, like it's medical. Then it should be grown in, a, in an environment that is suited for that. So I think uh, if they put regulations on larger growing operations to have uh, clean rooms, for example, right, um, where you know you go in with a Tyvek suit and there's HEPA filters in the room, basically el- eliminating the potentially eliminating the, the contaminant, the right? contamination yeah, yeah. hazard, another yeah. vector for <laughs> contaminant. I mean, right, if, if you're it's using pesticides, there, it's, yeah. you can avoid using pesticides that way. But so, are you telling me that all of Purdue Pharma's opium poppies are like pesticide free uh, and like blood free and no, totally? But, but I, th- I think if the you, end product is though, right, and that's the difference. Your oxys or your uh, fentanyls or whatever's on the shelf doesn't have amounts of pesticides in them, or do they? I I don't know. <laughs> I've never had one. Never tested. asked that question. Yeah. Interesting. In anything that's been maybe it's in everything. Well, anything <laughs> that's been mass produced uh, agriculturally uh, definitely has that possibility. I yeah. think even if it's distilled, and, there's rat know, poop in baby food. Yeah, exactly. And Down into cool a, an, a corn oil or something like that. You know, there's right. who's going to say that there's not pesticide, residual pesticides in that that we're you know adding to our food every day. I think it's maybe it's is it more noticed because this is an industry that does have a large analytical portion to it where things are getting tested like. You don't, and I don't know, maybe maybe your juice box did get tested. There's no, I, I don't see, and I get it's not a weed juice box, so there's no cannabinoid content on there, but there's no, like, I don't, residual solvents. I, I don't know. You don't see that labeling on your food stuff, even though that thing, you know, may be contaminated with it. You do have food recalls, right? Yeah, absolutely. But back to what I was kind of going at, I, I really think it's just, beneficial to you know make the process as clean as possible and as contaminant free as possible and if you if you can do that right then you shouldn't need pesticides it can be grown naturally or organically and uh you know hopefully in the end you'll have a a cleaner product as a result that's a good point is it true some of these bugs are mutating or the outbreaks are worse than before because of how many large scale grows there are and how much not like cross pollination, I guess of people going from one to a different one, maybe inspecting it or something that inspector brings those bugs with him, you know, or her to all of the, the sites they visit. Whereas when it was underground, you didn't have as much of that, right? Because people were like, ooh, don't, nobody knows where the grower lives. You know, that's like, it was very secluded. <laughs> yeah, so there, I feel like he wasn't giving tours to people like, hey, come check out my grow, you know, come bring your bugs in here so I'm, they can I'm sure they'd love crop. to show it off, but... Yeah, not that way, though. I yeah. feel like that's an Instagram <laughs> thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh. I guess at the, I mean, at the end of the day, it really, it comes down to labeling, right? Better tests and just a group that's, that's running this, that knows what they're doing in that regard. And it'll happen. I mean, we're all learning this as we go, right? We're making it up as we go along. I think the emergence of the laboratories is great because, you know, especially in the states that have legal recreational, but, but also in in states with uh, just... The medical. I want to know my percentages. You know, I want to have as much information, as much detail on a particular strain as I can possibly get. And the only way to to do that is with you know, top level, well funded, real laboratory results. Yeah, that stuff costs a lot of money for sure. I mean, we at the the uh, cannabis classic, there was a kid there that had it's called a MyDX, and it, they did a a Kickstarter and Indiegogo for it. But it's basically supposedly a little pocket, uh, not PLC or what would you what would you call that if you? I mean, maybe like near IR, a near IR. So it basically it gives you. 
I'm not. I'm not <laughs> confident about that. But that right, work. it had three magic box sensors <laughs> that did its deeds, and it needed internet access. Otherwise, it wouldn't work, which was also interesting. But um, it, you gave it a little bit of flour in this cartridge, and it would analyze it and give you uh, certain terpenes it was looking for, and then your cannabinoid content. And from see, we we didn't get that into it. He wouldn't let us take it apart. Obviously, it was like a seven hundred dollar thing, but. Uh, from what he showed, the tests were pretty spot on with the lab that sponsored the event and did all the testing. Like their results were within five percent, which is what they claim for their second gen uh, model. But we, the more technology evolves like that, we'll have more of that stuff for cheaper into the hands of the public, where they can be like, "Oh, I wonder what's in this. Let me run it through my my little pocket HPLC." <laughs> It's an iPhone app. Hey, yeah. that weed sucks. I want my money back. <laughs> it was. It was uh, on an iPad, actually. That's awesome. <laughs> so, uh, let's see. In Florida, this is kind of cool. A group is pushing, once again, for just legalizing their medical. Uh, they want to do it for recreational here. So, I don't know. Is Florida ready, Gooey? Are they? Is it time? <laughs> I'm not real tapped into the Florida situation, but I mean they're pushing they're pushing forward with medical for sure. Um, I don't know. It's just I always I, I think I have an attitude bias against Florida just because the whole climate change thing and you know we got was it uh, Mario Rubio is from stinking Florida. I, I just I, I I don't feel like I ever get any good news from Florida. So I'm like oh great. <coughs> What a crap. Jesus Christ. These well, people can't do anything. They're killing Any state that has its own FARC category, I mean, <laughs> you know. But it would be cool if they legalized it for the amount of time that they still have on the planet before the ocean swallows up their little state. They need 67,000 signatures for the Supreme Court to review the proposed ballot. So, And then 600,000 more to actually get it on 2016's ballot. So. I mean, I'm not intimately familiar with the demographics in Florida, but we all kind of know that, you know, there's plenty of people who have retired there and their golden years and everything. That's, uh, you know, I don't know how large a percentage of their population that is. You know, I don't want to be buying into stereotypes and assume that it's, you know, every person. I'll do it. 80%? I don't know. <laughs> But, uh, that, you know, that's a generation that look at any of these studies from Pew from uh, you know the CBS poll, there were quite a few polls done back in the spring, late spring, early summer, and they all show that you know like uh, you know people eighteen to twenty five, ninety three percent say full legalization. What the hell are we doing locking people up for this? You go middle aged, percentage goes down. You get into folks in retirement years, especially over you know, fifty five or or sixty, uh, and they are so opposed to it, it's not even a joke. So I really wonder what kind of political teeth could an effort like this get in Florida, given their demographics. I feel like education in Florida it should be the first uh, primary goal because I think it's probably all based on misconceptions and you know the things that they've been told and raised on uh, their entire lives that you know are, are completely... Uh, not based on on scientific evidence, <clears throat> but uh, hopefully, you know, spreading the word about the potential medical benefits of, of uh, cannabis and treating, you know, a myriad uh, diseases, um, that especially those that affect um, the elderly. I think they could really see the benefits of it just that, with education. The guy that opens up the first uh, retirement home cannabis community in Florida is going to be a very, very rich human. I'm just saying it's a good, good demographic. <laughs> well, that's the irony of the elderly being against legalization of cannabis and devil weed and all the reefer madness and everything, because of all the segments of society, they, you know, the professors spot on, boy, they can benefit the most, uh, just with standard, like osteoarthritis, you know, standard aches and pains that come with the aging process. Oh yeah. I, you know, we know it's so good for that. And it's also, you know, it chills people out if they're stressing out over getting old, cause we all do that. Uh, mm -hmm. you know, I got a 14 year old daughter. She's 
she was stressing out over getting old when she was six years old, for God's sake. So it's just a human thing. It is kind of interesting. It's like a testament to the power of that media and like how much brainwashing actually happened during those decades where, you know, Nixon and and (laughs) Reagan and everything. It's like that generation, they're the most hardcore about it. They're like, nope, not going to listen to it. It's the devil. That's it. (laughs) You know, like they, that's, that's it. That's what they've been taught for so long in such a, a, a giant way like though it's so upfront with like reefer madness all the way out you know here drink this don't smoke that this right. is way better for you i was a kid i thought it was killing brain cells i i believe that that beer and marijuana were killing brain cells but i didn't do either of them frequently enough to feel like i was really going to hurt myself if you if you based your decisions off commercials as commercials are designed to make us do like you would say that they both killed brain cells beer just did it in a way more fun manner <laughs> i want to be at that that rocky beach not sitting on my couch like come on <laughs> but that's not what beer does at all is it not at all uh, there's an interesting study showing American college students and how weed use showing that is a little more popular than cigarette smoking. And I I, I always think when, when I see studies like this that it, it's just the, the climate. It's the, the modern era that more people are comfortable saying it. I think it's the same people that have been smoking. There's not like people that yeah. – I mean I guess there is that, that demographic that gets to college and doesn't know what weed is and that's their first time. But I don't know that they're the ones that are going to come out and say it unless – you know. Well, and it's but, more available now than it ever has been. It's, it's always time, been available like, though. Yeah, but you know, it's, it's – in certain uh, places, yeah. you can walk and get it legally, you know, so... Right, but you didn't just start smoking because you could do that, right? Right, I mean, right. It's, it's Never everywhere. said it was hard to find. As I mean, someone... There is that segment of society that, that will not engage in a behavior if it's illegal. I think that tends to be more middle-aged and, and older folks. I'm not sure how much that affects the millennials because mm-hmm. they just don't... Most of the ones I've talked to just don't think that, you know cannabis legalization should even be an issue it's just they, they think it's kind of ridiculous yeah well it's it's one of those things that's like that's that's a dumb law and until that law like until you get caught up in it and caught up in the system it's not really real like it's it's not a real thing me and all my friends we smoke weed we can get weed it's not a big deal like that law that you made is stupid so it's just it's not in our reality until you know it it it's forced in and then it, it becomes all too real and expensive, I guess. But, uh, yeah, they're showing, uh, they say 21% of students report having used marijuana once or more in the prior 30 days. One marijuana. Uh, that is a 4% increase from 06. 34% of those questions said they used marijuana in the prior year, 4% more than in 06. Uh, however, the levels appear to have leveled off since 2014. All right, is it 2014, the year that we all smoked weed? I think I think that was it. The apex. I think so. We're all smoking. It's cool. I <laughs> uh, said uh, the main driver for the increased use of marijuana is the belief that it's not as dangerous as tobacco. And they point to studies of high school graduates between the ages of 19 and 22. In 06, 55% of those questions said regular use of marijuana was dangerous. Eight years later, that number dropped to 35%. He said this is probably a result of increased legalization of medical and recreational use. Uh, It's legal to use weed for recreational purposes in four states and three cities, 12 other states. So it's pretty cool. It's way better than tobacco. Like if if you had to pick, I mean, I like both, but I'm an excess, in excess kind of guy. But uh, if you had to pick, I would definitely go with the weed. Definitely. Oh yeah, I mean, I like a few shots of whiskey now and again. Something nice like a, you know, Blanton's or something, just super smooth Kentucky bourbon. Mm. But but man, you know, you, you consider hangovers and and you know, it's like pouring jet fuel in your body. It's just it's just you know, it's just not a good thing, especially on a regular basis. Whereas I think everybody should uh, consume some form of cannabis, even if it was just a CBD oil or. You know, getting THCA from from leaf juicing or something, not even conventional smoking or vaping. Absolutely, but pretty much on a daily basis. Because I'm like, man, if I get some little tumors forming, 
especially with all the pollution we got, I want to I want to know that I'm you know ingesting medicine on a regular basis to theoretically deal with that. Well, that there's an interesting discussion about like having a completely deprived endocannabinoid system, and who's to say some of these things that we're seeing manifest in our bodies, like cancers and tumors and whatnot, aren't due to that, or or are better are better hindered if you have a fully functioning endocannabinoid system rather than one that's been dry for decades, centuries. You know, it it may have some cause. Who knows? Well, it's going to be interesting what we learn over the next twenty, thirty years. Does that make sense in a in a science perspective? Like, if you have a system that you have completely neglected, and like, could those things arise from that not helping its immune system and helping its other functions? Well, just like any other chemical expressed in your brain, the uh, endocannabinoids and the endocannabinoid system, you know, has variability, I'm sure from person to person and how it's expressed and which sure. compounds are expressed, uh, more than others. So whether or not you have more of an effect on your CB1 receptor or more of an effect on your CB2 receptor, something like CBD would work on for inflammation and stuff like that. And, um, yeah, I think that would be beneficial to, su- you know, to say that you could supplement with something like that. Cause you know, I'm sure some people don't have the the same levels that others do. But even the full spectrum, because it seems like a lot of the cannabinoids share a lot of the same effects. Like uh, THC and CBD are both anticonvulsants. They're both <laughs> anti-inflammatories. Uh, just, I guess, in different levels, depending on how your receptor functions. Is... Well, both of them definitely bind the uh, each other's receptor, CB1 and CB2, respectively, um, but just not nearly as well so they tend to bind the receptor that they're designed to bind to and uh, stimulate that effect typically but there's crosstalk there so is it is it better in that respect than to have certain ones targeted or to just have the full spectrum and whatever gets plugged in you know does its thing I would say the more control you have over it, the better. Um, I think it'd be beneficial to have access to all of the different cannabinoids in their most pure form. You know, right now it's hard to get much more than, you know, a highly purified mixture of cannabinoids. But, you know, to be able to take advantage of all their different potential pharmacological benefits, um, it'd be cool to see CBC and CBG and THCV and and THCA because that's the only way to really see right you have to isolate them and then you know control right otherwise you don't know which one's doing what if you're just smoking weed and saying oh I feel better like if you had the individual cannabinoids you could actually monitor that and say yes this had this effect because it binded to this receptor absolutely that's that's really cool so what's stopping that from happening why uh, just lack fund, of funding, funding and and, and uh, so if you want to no fund lo- laws that. to allow it, yeah, <laughs> yeah, so. for sure. But that that it's cool in in these states that that have it opened up more. You can do, you could write protocols and then go pitch it and get it funded possibly. Yeah, hopefully there's some open minds. And do you still need a Schedule One license if you're going to do that, or only if you do it federally, like at a federal level. Um, I'm not, I don't think you would need a schedule one license. I'm not sure though. Even though it is, fe- unless you ask for like federal funding, right? They'd be like, do you have this? Cause you have to good pay luck. us for this license. Good luck getting federal funding. <laughs> I would say find a way to market it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and somebody, no, will pay we're going to weaponize it. Listen, <laughs> you're going to like this. We built a robot. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, anything, anything else? Anything weed related? Was there anything you wanted to mention from the Northwest Cannabis Classic that that caught your eye? Anything? Uh, okay. <laughs> On the spot and go. All right, uh, Gooey. Where can people get your book? I know you probably got a website for it that's better than getting it on Amazon. Oh no! Actually, it's on Amazon. No, okay, <laughs> we'll get it on Amazon then. Affiliate stuff going on. I'm just not really a marketing guy, you know. I'm a journalist. That's cool. I will market it for you because I'm not even done with it, and it's a good book. So yeah, people yeah. should go kick you five bucks for it and uh, get it. I'll put a link to it in the show notes at hotboxpodcast.com. So, Gooey, it's been a pleasure. We'll definitely have to get you back on uh, and and have some more cannabis discussions. Oh. 
I always learn something. And now that you're inviting smart guys like the professor, I'm just, I'm all locked in. So, you know, please, I'd love to come back. I've been trying to get him on. He's kind of shy. So hopefully the more he does this, he'll get, he'll get more comfortable and then blow our. This is is not about sitting, you know, like, dude, it's so cool. You know, no, (laughs) I want to talk to people who have some knowledge and have some interest in breaking through the, the urban legends and getting down to the science of it. That's where, that's where everybody needs to be. So they vote the right way. They act the right way. They make smart decisions for their own lives. You know, that's huge. Cause all of that affects all of us. <laughs> that's right. So awesome. Well, Hey, we'll definitely get you back on the next time and maybe we'll, we'll find some of the, the fun urban myths and we'll have the professor tell us why they're bullshit. Yeah. That sounds like, that sounds like something fun to investigate. Awesome. All right. Well, Gooey Rabinsky, have a, have a good night, man. Thanks, buddy. The great Gooey Rabinsky, get his book on medical marijuana and read all about why it's illegal and then listen to the hot box. And I think it's great because then like whenever people are like, oh, it's, 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 you can just tell them like, do you realize where the foundation of those laws come from? Like they're deeply rooted in hateful, racist bullshit and greedy those guys were maniacs. Oh, yeah. Like, back then, they ran shit and did not give one fuck <laughs> about, like, who they were. That blows my mind that our ancestors sat back and were like, no, we're totally cool with this. We're busy with these hookers and this Wild West shit happening. Like, we're busy looking for gold. This is nothing. <laughs> How did that happen? Like the stuff's growing wild in my backyard. <laughs> but how I yeah, I, I'm more blown away at the social aspect of how it got to that point to where we were just like, oh yeah, makes you crazy if you're a Mexican or a black person, and makes you want to rape people and listen to jazz legislation via. And but like, what were people focused on when that was? And they were just like, yeah, no, that sounds that's well, fine, whatever. Via like, lobbying, war? you know, it's just was about that wartime. Vietnam, maybe? I think it was... Before that. was that. well before that. Yeah, like, what was... The, the negative propaganda guys, started way before Guys, what was going the on? There was no honey boo-boo, right? Maybe 40s, I don't know. Way back when, but... Alcohol prohibition, and then they were done with that. That's crazy. Either way, it's, it's, it's bad stuff. Somebody should write a research paper on that shit. Read the science papers. How Don't the F them. did we get Bullshit. so effed by Matt Lee? <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to First see that explained. authorship, right? Mm-hmm. My hypothesis is y'all were a bunch of distracted, lazy motherfuckers. And then a bunch of shit happened. And then you guys got, like, the depression. <laughs> And now we all got the depression. <laughs> Seems to be uh All right. Oh, uh, we should wrap this up. Hotboxpodcast.com. We're on Stitcher. We're on iTunes. If you go get it from iTunes, make sure you leave a review. Hotboxpodcast.com slash donate. If you like the show, kick us a few bucks. We appreciate it. It takes lots of money to keep something of this caliber going for as long as it's been going. So uh, hotboxpodcast.com. That's the site. Check it out. We'll catch you next time. Peace out. If you like, you like this is where where you need to be. If you like weed, this is where you need to be. Thank you for listening to the podcast.